0: Invite you to take out your Bibles um, and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. And if you didn't bring a Bible, uh, and if you don't have one loaded on your phone, look around you in the seats in front of you or beside you. You might find a Bible you can uh, use. And if you don't have a Bible, come and see me after the worship service. Uh, I would love to give you a Bible. Uh, We've been looking at this question, why... um, why can we love God? What is it about God that, um, you know, God's, in, in the ancient world, uh, There, especially because of some of the Greek and, and Stoic philosophers, there's this, there's this idea that there is a God, there's this divine being who created the world, but functioned more as um, an un, the unmoved mover one that moves things by creating them, giving people life, but who himself is is unmoved, is unyielding. You, you can't have a relationship with that God. And what we've been looking at these past few weeks is that Jesus Christ, who most fully and completely reveals who God is, shows God to, to not, he's not the unmoved mover, but you can have a real relationship with God. Uh, and I want to read a story where uh, we, we, we see this. We, we see that through Jesus, um, the willingness of God to, to meet with us and to relate with us. So we're going to look at uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, starting with verse 32 and going through verse 45. Now that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all of the sick and the demon possessed the whole town gathered at the door the home that Jesus was at and Jesus healed many who had various diseases he also drew out many demons but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who they knew who Jesus was now very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, Peter, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, well, let us go somewhere else. Isn't that interesting? to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away, and at once, uh, and gave him a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out to talk freely, spreading the news, And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Uh, Your notes in the bulletin today are, are three statements. We're going to go through three statements about Jesus that will guide us along in the sermon. And what they're going to help us to understand is, what is Jesus' Truly willing to do for us, what is Jesus always willing to do? Is it is Jesus always willing to heal? Well, we know um, as, as, as Bolivar prayed earlier. Uh, there's ultimate healing. There, there, this this isn't the final stop. This world isn't the final stop. There's ultimate healing that indeed Jesus does give. But but I think we'd have to say in this life, no, Jesus always, isn't always willing to um, to heal us from sicknesses. He does sometimes, not always. So what can we count on Jesus being willing to do for us? Um, so we're going to go through these three statements in your bulletin about Jesus. It's going to guide us to what we can really trust in Jesus being willing to do. And the first statement about Jesus is this. Jesus responded to demands on his life by pursuing God in prayer. Verses 32 and, uh, and 30, uh, thirty-two and 33 describe the demands that were placed on Jesus, on his time. So, 32, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And so, we, as we picture this scene... Um was truly every individual in the town at the door, well, maybe not I mean hyperbole was a a uh, was a, a a device, a literary device, a rhetorical device back then just as it, as it is today, and Mark chose that word maybe to just illustrate that there's a ton of people at this this door, maybe not the whole town, but many many, many people outside of uh, outside of the door. The door likely was the door to the house of of Peter, uh, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew and their home. Um, What led to this massive crowd appearing at the door? Well, earlier in their chapter, Mark reports that Jesus uh, was going around that region and he was proclaiming a certain message, the message of the kingdom of God. That Jesus is saying is now coming near, and in a Jewish community that was doing all that it could to tread water in the sea of the Roman kingdom, uh, the news of God's kingdom coming—what? Oh, it would have been it would have been great news for the, the Jews in, in, in that region. Then Mark also reports two miracles that Jesus does. One, he casts out an impure spirit uh, that was in a man while at the synagogue. In the synagogue, Jesus does this, and so that definitely would have uh, gained a lot of attention for Jesus. And then Jesus heals the mother-in-law of Simon Peter at that at that house, and that leads us to verse thirty-two, with this tremendous crowd gathering at the door. Now, in other words, the dam had broken. And now comes the flood of people. Now, notice what happens in the very next verse, verse 34. It says that Jesus healed many who had various diseases, and he also drove out many demons. Now, now this is happening after the sun had gone down. So that would have been quite a night, wouldn't it? A night to remember. And and I want you to think... um, about what a successful night that would have felt like for the disciples and, and, and Jesus too. Um, and I want you to think of yourself, after a moment of success or after a season of success, what, um, how do you feel after something has happened in your life where you're like, wow, that, that went really That went really well. Well, likely you've experienced a lot of satisfaction for a job well done, especially if that work was significant work for you. Now, think of Jesus' night. I mean, how significant was it that he was healing many people, casting out many demons that night? Well, it was very significant. It was was life-changing and very likely life-saving for many of those people that came to Jesus. Did, Did Jesus relish in the limelight at all. I, I, I'm pretty confident saying, at least thinking, no. I don't think Jesus like, relished in the limelight. That we might relish in a little bit after a season of success, like, oh, I did it. I don't think Jesus was relishing in the limelight. However, I do think that Jesus was moved by the healings that took place, I mean Jesus certainly was moved by pe- people experiencing liberation from these demons that were holding them captive and and from the sicknesses that were that were taking away their health. I mean, can you imagine Jesus not being moved? Can you imagine Jesus being kind of robot like and you know healing people next, and you 're healed, emotionless, you know just kind of straight face next no, of course not. Um... You can't imagine that. Jesus, I'm sure, was moved with joy. And our moments of success may move us as well. We can get excited and energized. Nothing wrong with that. And our moments of success may lead us to being very busy. You know, a project well done at, at work might lead to less work for you. No, maybe more work. Like, hey, you did such a great job of that. How about... How about some more? Kids, you know, you, you try out for the team. You know, your dance lessons and piano lessons and all kinds of lessons, you do really well, and that might lead to other opportunities. Now you're on the team with all the games and all the practices. Or You know, our success often leads to more activity, more busyness for us. Uh, Now, all of this makes it very important for us to notice the connection between the demands placed on Jesus and the discipline that Jesus then shows. Because I'd like to suggest that we have experience similar moments of success, and we have to watch what Jesus does so that we can learn what to do in those situations. So verse 35 says this, very early in the morning, this is after this night of success, what does Jesus do? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So Jesus was engaged in this very fulfilling ministry with huge crowds seeking him out, and yet his first priority is what? I'm going to get out into the wilderness with God. <laughs> uh, that, that's the, the word for solitary place in that scripture, the wilderness. He, he got out to the wilderness to pray to God. And what Jesus shows us is this. Your relationship with God trumps everything else. And very possibly, you've been extremely busy and worn out. And you've thought, you know what? Just praying a little bit right now. That sounds great. I need to get refreshed. And that's great. It is great being refreshed through prayer. But that isn't only what Jesus does. He doesn't just go out to the wilderness to get refreshed in prayer. Jesus, what does he do? He listens to God. And the second statement is this. Jesus listened to God for guidance in life. Because there's a, there's a turn that Jesus makes here, and it's an unexpected turn, and he's able to make that turn because he's listening to God for guidance in his life. So Jesus was incredibly busy doing very good work. No one would question the value of Jesus' work, and yet Jesus knew that during that very busy, demanding schedule of his, that it was even more critical that he spend a great amount of time in prayer with God, not just to get refreshed, but to listen for God's guidance. And so we see this, and we'll talk about that in a second, but we see this general principle in this, in this scripture that being busy increases both the difficulty and the urgency of seeking God's guidance. So when we are busy, it can be difficult to seek God's guidance because we're, we're busy, correct? We've got lots of things to do and piling up. We've got to get to Him. But it's also urgent when we're busy. Because it could have been, it would have been very easy for Jesus to assume things are going great with this healing ministry of mine, and so I should just keep on doing it. See, Jesus continuing in his healing ministry, and that is what he was doing, would have been very pleasing to him in many ways, except maybe for just one way, or in just one way, and that is if it had not been the will of his heavenly Father for him to keep that as his focus, this healing ministry and casting out demons, if that had not been the will of his heavenly Father for him to keep focusing on that, then it would have been very displeasing for Jesus. So he had to seek guidance from his heavenly Father. So here's this critical moment, this, this un, maybe an unexpected turn for Jesus. It's revealed in verse 37, or it starts being revealed in verse 37. Um. Verse 37, when they found him, the disciples, looking for Jesus, they exclaimed, well, everyone is looking for you. And of course, everyone was looking for Jesus. And we would have been looking for Jesus too if we had seen Jesus doing all of those miracles. And how easy it would have been for Jesus to continue to ride that forward momentum in a healing ministry. But in prayer, listening to God, reflecting on the Holy Scriptures, no doubt. Jesus realized something different. And this is what Jesus said. And this is kind of that unexpected turn. Let us go somewhere else. Isn't that interesting? Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. I have not come Primarily, Jesus is revealing, I have not come primarily to heal people from their sicknesses in this life. It's wonderful when it happens. And Jesus did heal people. But Jesus said, My primary purpose is to proclaim the good news of the coming kingdom of God and the good news of freedom from sin and freedom from death. So it's absolutely remarkable that Jesus spent all this time alone in prayer. And it shows us that knowing the will of God for Jesus, it wasn't, I mean, what do we think? We think it's like, should be this automatic mind meld, right? Like Jesus, of course, knows the will of God and, 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 because he's one with God, right? And that's what the scriptures say. But still, Jesus, the way that he's relating to his heavenly father, as he spends time in prayer to listen. Because he had an intimate relationship with his father. And so let's state the obvious here. If it was important for Jesus to spend time in prayer to receive God's guidance, even though he is the Son of God, a member of the triune God, one, one of the triune God. If it was important for Jesus to spend time in prayer, how much more important is it, uh, is it for us to receive God's guidance? And so I, I'm I'm struck. I'm struck this morning with the length Jesus goes to make prayer a priority. goes alone, out into the wilderness, and he gets out. And, I, and I'm, I, there are plenty of days when I squeeze in three minutes of prayer over breakfast and coffee and think, okay, I've prayed, I've prayed today. So maybe squeeze in, maybe that, that thought, hey, I've squeezed in some prayer today. Maybe that thought, squeeze in, maybe that is not how we should see prayer. It's not something that we squeeze in. And I'm I'm just urging us to make prayer a priority um, frequently enough, especially if you have a big decision to make, and listen to God's guidance. So Jesus seems to make this unexpected turn. Let's go somewhere else, he tells his disciples. There's crowds looking for him. Now let's go somewhere else because I've come to preach and teach. And this leads us to our third Uh, statement this morning about Jesus. And it's, it's just really remarkable when you think about it. Jesus remained open to people's needs and to showing compassion. As Jesus moved about Galilee teaching, he was interrupted. So let's look at verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and he begged him on his knees, if you are willing, make me clean, you can make me clean. Would Jesus be willing? That's not a throwaway question for us this morning. Would Jesus be willing? It's a legitimate question. As Jesus just revealed to his disciples, no, I am going about a preaching and teaching ministry. That's, that's, that's my focus. That's my purpose. Would Jesus be willing? What does, what does Psalm 8 say? When, when, when Psalm 8 compares the, the, the lowly person to the, to, to the almighty God, uh, who has created the universe. What does Psalm 8 say? What, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Because you're the great, awesome creator, God. What is mankind that you would be mindful of them? Human beings that you would care for them. You know, keep that keep that perspective in mind as we consider the story. Jesus, Jesus has already done a, a bit of healing, shifting his focus. He's resolved in this mission of preaching and teaching. It's an urgent mission, as there are many souls out there who are captive to sin, who are lost. And up comes this man. Now, there's always one more to heal, right? There's always another person to heal. You can't reach them all. What is this man that you would be mindful of him? Psalm 8 would have us ask What is this, man, that you would delay your day and reach out to just one more? And here's what we need to see. This man was enough to move Jesus. Verse 41 says this, Jesus was indignant. Now, if you don't have the new international version of the Bible in front of you, Look to see what your version says. The beginning of verse 41. The NIV, New Rational Version, says uh, Jesus was indignant. And he reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. Jesus was moved in his inner being. The, The English Standard Version Says that Jesus was moved with pity. The, the King James, the New American Standard, New Living says that Jesus was moved with compassion. If Jesus was ign- uh, indignant or angry, like the like my version says he was, it, it, it can't have been because Jesus was mad for this with this man coming up uh, to him. No, it wasn't that. And whether he was moved with anger or with compassion or whatever, it's clear, or both, it's clear Jesus was moved in his inner being. Leprosy, uh, of course, was a skin disease that was very visible outwardly. As an infected person's skin would get scaly, it it would start falling off. It would decay. The skin would start decaying and it would fall off. It was deadly. It was a deadly disease. There was no known cure. Uh, Now notice what the leper says to Jesus. If you're willing, you can heal me. Is that what he says? No, that's not what he says. If you are willing, what does he say? You can make me clean. Why clean? You know the only time that the word cleansed is used when it's used to describe Jesus healing someone it is when Jesus heals someone with leprosy that's the only time the word cleansed is used with a healing in other words the blind people that came up to Jesus they didn't say Jesus I want to see please cleanse me they said please heal me different word why cleanse? So even though leprosy was this disease of outer decay, over time it began, it began to, to be known as a, a sign or a symbol of someone being dec- someone's inner decay. The outward decay of leprosy was a sign of someone's inner decay from sin. Having leprosy carried a stigma. It, it meant you must be a sinner. You were seen as unclean. And so if you had leprosy, you weren't just seen as physically unclean, you were seen as spiritually unclean. So your outward skin rotting away was a sign of your, the, the, your inner life being in de- decay because of sin. So imagine, with that in mind, the fear of someone who had leprosy. You knew if you had leprosy, there's no cure. You were going to die. And on top of all of that, you were completely isolated from your community and your family. You can't go through this with your loved ones. You, you had to be off on your own, maybe with other lepers, but, but you were removed from your community. And, and you, you, you somehow knew, I can't even rely on God with this, because I am everyone tells me I'm unclean, that my inner life is unclean. I can't even rely on God to go through this with me. And when I die, so therefore, when I die, and I'm going to die, when I die, I am not going to be going to the land of the living. Because everyone keeps telling me I am unclean. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be going to hell. So that helps us to understand the emotion, how this man moved Jesus, his compassion, or his anger, or both. Do You think Jesus knew this man before he came up to him? Think of a different story. John chapter 1, when, when Nathaniel meets Jesus for the first time, Jesus tells Nathaniel, Nathaniel, I already saw you. You already saw me, Jesus. When, when, when did you see me? Nathaniel, I saw you when, when you were sitting far off under that fig tree. Remember that fig tree? Nathaniel, a few days ago, before Philip came up to you, and Nathaniel's like, what? You, you already knew me? Yeah, I already knew you. And I expect the same thing is true here. Jesus knew this man with leprosy. And as he saw him increasingly being isolated and, 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 and outcasted from his family and from his community, and it moved him greatly. So as, as this man came to Jesus and fell at Jesus' feet, can you imagine Jesus saying, eh, Nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm moving ahead with preaching and teaching. No, we can't see Jesus doing that. But what we do see this wonderful truth, no matter how busy Jesus was, he remained open to people's needs and to showing compassion. I mean, think about this in another way. Parents, parents in here, you know what it's like at the end of a long day where everything... And maybe this happened. Could have gone wrong, did go wrong. You know, the, everything at off the office went wrong or everything with the car that could have gone wrong went wrong or the appliance, it busted open and stuff everywhere or, you know, the plumbing. <laughs> everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. And you just want some rest at the end of the long day. And your, your child comes up to you. You're sitting on the couch. You're just, like, oh, I'm so tired. And your child comes up, mom, your dad. I think I saw a big spider in my bedroom. It was really big. And it went into my closet. And you know how messy it is in my closet, but I won't be able to sleep until you find that spider. Can you go go get that spider? Can you find the spider? Are you willing? Uh, Remember what Jesus said about prayer. Jesus said about prayer, Parents, if your child comes to you, asks for a fish, do you give him a snake? Or ask for an egg. Do you give her a scorpion? Of course not. And then Jesus says this shocking statement. Of course you don't do that, parents. Though you are evil. How much more will God treat you with kindness? Because there is this massive gulf between our ways and God's ways, Jesus is saying. So parents... When your kid comes up to you at the end of the day, Mom, Dad, I need your help. I see you're really tired on the couch there, but I saw this this spider in my room. Are, Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Though you are evil, how much more compassion Will the infinite, loving Savior be willing to show you compassion? He will put everything on hold so that He can show compassion to you. That's what we see in this story with this man with leprosy. And when when, when Jesus healed him, what did he do? He touched the leper. He reached out and grabbed a hold of him. Now he didn't have to do that. He could have said, "Be clean. Leprosy be gone." From a distance. Could have kept him at arms like, no, he he reached out and he grabbed a hold of him. Jesus wanted him to remember from that moment on how close his Savior is to him. So what is Jesus doing? He's he's getting this guy and he's pulling it close into his community. Jesus' community. I want you with me, he's telling this man. Jesus... This is what Jesus is always willing to do. What is Jesus willing to do for you? Jesus is always willing to draw you close into his community, the community that he shares with his Father and with the Holy Spirit. And this is why prayer is so important because it is, it's is—it's living in this community with God. It, it, it's, it's trusting God's really going to speak to me as we're praying, as I'm praying, because this is about being in this relationship, this this community with God. Now, sometimes G- Jesus heals, and that's a wonderful thing when it happens. But remember what Jesus said to the leper. He didn't say, be healed. He said, be clean. I make you clean on the inside. He showed him you are perfectly acceptable and loved by God. And for the leper, that inner healing was Demonstrated by that outward healing of his leprosy. One more thing. One more thing we need to see in this. Jesus is so willing to draw us into his community that he was was willing to be exiled from community. Because that's how the story ends, right? You know, he tells the man, don't tell anyone. And what does the man do? He tells everyone. And what's the result? Jesus now has to stay away from community. He's he's now on the outside. He's he's out in the lonelier places. Isn't that remarkable? Jesus didn't carry with him a get-out-of-jail-free card, kind of like, ha-ha, I'm the Son of God. Even though you made a mistake, I don't have to deal with your consequences. No, he entered into just our human life. And he was willing... He was willing to pay the consequences of our sin and mistakes. And of course, this one moment is just a just a, just a little glimpse of the ultimate moment when Jesus submitted himself to the to the sin, to, to to the to the the penalty from sin of all of humanity. Because there came a moment when the sins of men and women wouldn't just result in an inconvenience for Jesus, but it would cost him his very life as Jesus died on the cross, as Jesus chose to give himself as a full sacrifice, and he was exiled even from his community with God. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? And he did that so that we would be acceptable to God and included in God's community. We're about to pray. I know you have something in your life. And you need to know that Jesus has made you clean on your inside. And you can accept that gift of forgiveness right now if you never have. Where Jesus comes into your life and his death on the cross makes your in our life, completely clean. God does not hold your sins against you. And you need to know something in your life right now. I know that, that Jesus is reaching out and he's grabbing a hold of you and he's saying, I'm not going to let you go. I'm right here with you. As we sung earlier, one of our songs, Jesus is willing to stand by the fire beside you. That's what he's willing to do. Will you come, will you lay that burden or that worry to Jesus in prayer. Right now, let's pray. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, thank you for grabbing a hold of us. And this might be one moment, Jesus, that we need to know your hand has grabbed us. And if you've pulled us into your community, this, this divine community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are with you. You have brought us to this relationship with God. And you say, trust in me, and I will never let you go, and I will never leave you. Help us to know that, Lord. With this worry, this burden that we're bringing to you, Lord, we pray with great faith this morning, Are you willing? Are you willing to take this from me? Are you willing to bring me into this community of yours so I don't have to be afraid? Lord, help us to hear just as we've written in the scriptures this morning. Yes, I am willing. We give you our hearts, our thanks, and our praise. In Jesus' name, amen.